0: Hey, this is John Strong, the voice of MLS on Fox. You're listening to Plugged In, a Nashville soccer podcast.
1: Okay, we're back. Episode 13, Plugged In. This is a Nashville soccer podcast. Shout out to Tom Barker, who was on the last episode. We talked a whole lot about Nashville SC as it pertains to Phase 1 and what they look like, how they've been looking like on the field in their past few matches. And since then, they went up against Inter-Miami. They got a draw. It was a bit of an awe. Oh, I want to say slightly promising, but also slightly disappointing in front of goal. Uh, obviously, Dan Lovett's missing his big chance, but they kick, hit, they kick with a, another draw. So they're getting uh, three matches unbeaten. But now we're finally in the final week, and it's going to be Nashville SC versus Atlanta United once again. Part three. And we'll be talking with The Athletic's Felipe Cardenas, who joins us for this episode, who Atlanta United is part of his beat. You know, I'm glad that I mentioned Inter Miami because that's a part of his his repertoire as well, his coverage. And you can find him on The Athletic. He writes some great stuff. But Felipe, I mean, on this interesting Wednesday where both of those teams will be playing and you get a chance to see what both teams look like. But obviously for Atlanta United, how they are – going to move into this new transition, which is what we're talking about. Bye-bye PT Martinez, as you first reported, and then also with Joseph Martinez out for the rest of the season. Jurgen Dam, who's a, who's a recent signing, as well as Kubo Torres are coming in to be somewhat of a replacement. Uh, where is Atlanta United right now? Where, does they, where do they stand in terms of this phase one post-MLS is back tournament?
0: Well, well, Drake. First of all, thanks for having me, man. Uh, an honor to be on your on your pod, and and happy to discuss all things Atlanta United and and all the other teams that are kind of in this like in this region. You know, like we're here in the South, and we've right. got new teams coming. In and uh, I think Nashville and near Miami are are. It's it's difficult to say whether they're struggling considering the optics and in the context of twenty twenty, but. You know, I think they've arrived. And so Atlanta United, you know, those both of those teams are looking at Atlanta United. They've been looking at Atlanta United like, you know, since their launch, just probably thinking, how do we get to that point? How can we get to the point where we can become uh, uh, the type of club that Atlanta United has become in just three or four seasons? Um, you know, it's been it's been tough for Atlanta United though. They they, they tasted success, the ultimate success, uh, just two years ago after winning MLS Cup in 2018, and since then. Uh, you know, I've reported on this several times throughout the the last year about how the the roster just was essentially overhauled, um, and, and Frank de coming in to to replace Tata Martino, and and from the get go, it just it just was kind of a big culture clash uh, at the club because they had an established identity, the South American identity. Those players that came over from from South America were completely bought in and committed, and not only that, then they lifted you know, the ultimate trophy in North American soccer, uh, domestically. So here in the States, so, I mean, it's now, where are they? I mean, it's a great question. question Drake, because, uh, that is the big question. They have an interim manager. They've, ever since Frank DeBoer was, was let go late July after the Orlando tournament. Now they're kind of trying to find themselves again. You mentioned it, Joseph Martinez out with an ACL tear, which the injury happened against Nashville back in February, uh, and now PT Martinez has been officially transferred to uh, Al Nafsar FC in Saudi Arabia. So a big money transfer, a reported $18 million transfer. But again, it's just part of this dismantling of, of the roster. And now, you know, I think Atlanta United is a team that this, these next few games, and I think every game they play, is going to be a, a big battle. Like the teams are even, the gap is closed. And for Atlanta United, it's all about confidence and heart.
1: Yeah, I definitely need to slow down a little bit because I think I went a little bit too fast in the in the introduction there because as you talked about a little bit and you, and you even wrote this as well uh, when you t- took a look at that exclusive that you got with Frank DeBoer and just the clash that you mentioned and obviously the front office, they were, uh, after Frank DeBoer, they were looking to have a little bit more of an English style, um, you know, big name, big, I guess, upgrade to what they did so that they can propel themselves to the next level, not only in MLS, but also in CONCACAF with the Champions League, of course. And with this Atlanta United team, uh, I think for Nashville fans, they were introduced to this Atlanta United. As soon as Nashville was awarded a franchise, they were like, oh, we get to be this new counterpart with Atlanta United who's already this, this big kahuna. I mean, even social media, they've got over you know, a million followers. I mean, they've got this right. huge, this stadium culture at Mercedes-Benz, which obviously has had, you know, college football playoffs. Obviously they host the Falcons, but then they have their own culture. And so they have this huge establishment, right? And so now comes Stephen Glass, who some Nashville fans will remember from his Atlanta United two days and the USL. And he's bringing not necessarily a huge change in mm-hmm. playing style, but, at least he's, he's giving maybe some players some chance. I think uh, Bello was a good wing back, mm-hmm. fullback that I saw against Nashville, who is promising for sure. And you see some of these other players that weren't necessarily part of the fold in the Tata Martino days, and even in the beginning of Frank DeBoer's uh, reign with Atlanta United. And you also have this new setup where Atlanta is struggling for goals all of a sudden. I mean, for Nashville fans, I mean, I'm sure many logged off when they realized that and then found out that Nashville weren't going to be a part of the MLS's back tournament. But Atlanta United didn't even score a goal. And that was, I'm sure, quite surprising and one of the biggest disappointments. But for Atlanta United, I mean, is that something? We've seen them score, I think, two goals, or excuse me, four goals, I want to say. Is it four? Um, I know they scored two against Nashville, and then they got one against Orlando. Um, but so it seems it's not as you know. They haven't, fixed, as it. It they haven't
0: fixed the problem yet. Yeah, they definitely yeah, it, have not it, fixed that
1: problem. It, it's not as dismal, but it's also not where it should be for Atlanta United. Is that something that is it just going to be <laughs> they're just going to score goals against Nashville and then then no against no one else? Or <laughs> I mean, where where is where is Jurgen Dam? Where where does Kubo and and, and Jurgen kind of fit into this this as you say overhaul of the attacking side of the roster.
0: Well, for Nashville fans, it's funny because, you know, the guy that scored those two goals is gone. PT Martinez right. is gone yet. He he, you know, he scored two great goals against Nashville uh, about a week ago here in Atlanta, uh, and he was immediately transferred. Perhaps that was a performance that Al Nasser just needed to to really, you know, commit to that deal that they made with Atlanta United. Um, and so, so yeah, the, the question now remains, who who steps up? Who steps up? not only to score goals because PT Martinez hasn't ever been, you know, 15 to 20 a year goal scorer. He's just, that's not who he is. He's a big game player. He's a creative player, uh, kind of a fiery big game type of player. So that's what Atlanta United is now going to miss. You know, the on-field leadership, the guy that when the chips are are, are stacked against him, you know, that's when he excels. That's, that's what he needs in order to perform. And I think that is what Atlanta will miss the most because they're a team that's lacking in confidence. They're a team that is just desperate for, for results, for good results. I mean, that, the last-minute tie in Orlando over the weekend was, felt like a win for Atlanta United. And that, to me, that, that is, that's dark times for Atlanta United. If, if, <laughs> if, getting, if earning a draw at Orlando City, a team that they have completely dominated you know, since coming into the league, uh, if that's a win, then that tells you where the club is. And that tells you where a team like Orlando City is as well, who, who is kind of, they, they've kind of taken off under Oscar Pereja. But yeah, to answer your question, you know, a, a, few, a few new players have come in. Um, I, I think, this is what I've said in my, on my Instagram live, if you're listening, uh, follow me on Twitter because I'll announce, hey, I'm going to go on Instagram live and we talk a lot about these issues. And something that I said is like, you know, I think a lot of the players that have come in, like Kubla Torres, Jurgen Dom uh to me they 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 feel like band-aids because they they're not top signings yes Mm -hmm. at one time cupo torres was a big player in mls but this was six years ago yes he has an
1: mls pedigree
0: he does have mls pedigree he knows how to score in this league he was with the mexican national team but he has since fallen off he wasn't getting time at, at club tijuana he was struggling to find any opportunities in league mx he told us that in his first uh press availability here in Atlanta. And so this is like a second chance for him. Jurgen down the same thing was once considered, you know, a, a huge prospect in, in Mexico had, had gotten to the national team uh, and since dropped off was not seeing time at Tigres, And now he's here in, in Atlanta, once again, trying to find his form. So if those are the players and, and that's their reality, then that's, that puts a lot of pressure not only on them, but on the manager, who in this case is an interim manager like you mentioned, Stephen Glass. Now he has to get the most out of these players that aren't game-fit, aren't, game aren't match-fit, aren't in rhythm, but are expected to somehow fill the void for uh, you know, a DP and a former MVP like Joseph Martinez. So just a lot of work to do for Atlanta still.
1: And meanwhile, with Nashville, it, it seems as if their two most creative players is very obvious. It's Hani Mokhtar and Randall Leal, both two players who are brand new to MLS, brand new to the U.S. And with Randall, he's obviously shown his, at least his effort to be the lead guy when it comes to creating chances and testing keepers. He's led Nashville and he's in, in shots and shots on goal. He's been one of the most creative players and taking players one on one. Meanwhile, Hani Mukhtar he's been one of the guys who's probably played the most key passes for Nashville. You take a look at some of those niche statistics for for Nashville, and they finally linked up for a goal against uh, Miami, and or not, excuse me, not Miami against Orlando. And for Nashville, I think that's a it's it's like all oh, about time, you know, with this team that has <laughs> at one time their their lead or I guess their strongest suitor was either Romney or Walker Zimmerman getting, on the, getting their head on the other side of a, of a set piece, you know, because at one point they were leading MLS with, with set piece goals at the beginning of this season, or at least in these first couple of games since the restart. And Mukhtar and, and Lial are finally being able to catch their stride with each other, which is important because Nashville still has that problem at the number nine spot but at least when they go up against Atlanta. Hani Mukhtar, he played he, – he was, he was okay. I think he was pretty good against Atlanta in Atlanta the last time. He didn't play the whole – I think he got taken off in about the 75th, 74th minute, and Daniel Rios came on. And that's a one player that everyone needs to take a look at. But I will say, though, with all that stuff that's on the field, I mean, what exactly – you, can you imagine a top-level of degree of maybe uh, – a loss really between the fans, not only with Nashville SC, but also Atlanta United fans, like they're missing so much from what could have been if Atlanta stayed Atlanta United as it was to enter this season and Nashville is where it is now. If those teams were to face off in a, you know, our normal season, I feel like both sides are kind of missing so much. What to what the level to what level degree would you say? are fans missing out on this Southern soccer conundrum or this clash that (laughs) probably, you know, bodes well for the culture of soccer in America?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's it's interesting because after that match in February between Nashville and Atlanta, um, you know, at Titan Stadium, I I thought it was a great crowd. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, The game was good too, you know, and I think Nashville left a really – good impression first impression on a, on the rest of the league and at the same time it, it kind of set in in motion what was what would turn out to be a disappointing year for atlanta united they they kind of squeaked out of that out of that game with two great goals from Bar- zickle bark emerson hyman but the game was even and and then you know joseph is out it, it immediately we knew it was a serious injury so it wasn't it didn't bode well but what I wrote after that game was that this is this is the first glimpse at like a new rivalry, a new southern soccer rivalry. And, and I was really adamant about it not being a cliche because it did feel like two teams that were going at each other um, and two fan bases that I think are, are going to have a history together of, you know ultimately, and eventually when, when things normalize and, and, and crowds are traveling, in between cities, Nashville to Atlanta, what two hour drive, something like that. It's nothing you can get there. I think it's going to be a great little matchup. And you you mentioned Leal and Mukhtar. I mean, I think they're really good players. I thought they, they have shown well, perhaps they haven't been very consistent, but I mean, who has been consistent? This season, probably like no no one has been truly consistent. So, but I thought they showed well, especially in that first match in February. they're creative players, you know, clearly Nashville just needs a, a true goal scorer. But as soon as they have that, uh, yeah, I think they're going to challenge Atlanta United because right now this is this is the time to really close that gap with Atlanta United. And if you're an expansion side like Nashville, they need to take advantage of the fact that Atlanta is down. Uh, if they can strengthen that front three and get a goal scorer, you know, I think they have a really nice foundation in Nashville, some good, good central midfielders, uh, clearly, you know, a, a good center back in Walker Zimmerman, uh, some holes to fill, but a, a nice start. And I think if they can remain consistent, start getting some results or scoring some goals, you know, uh, you know Atlanta United is going to know that they have a battle every time they play Nashville.
1: Yeah, and and I would say for Nashville, the thing is, is to try and find a way to get those two to take the bulk of things while you figure out who's going to be up front for the number nine. And as you said, I think the partnership has done quite well considering the circumstances. There's one last thing that you want when it comes to bringing in players that are not only new to the league, but new to the country in this particular situation and then on top of that you're throwing matches without you know really quality training that's this is the last thing you want for your best players because that's that's the fact of the matter but i wanted to talk with you about atlanta against nashville this particular matchup is it i know it's hard because with, without pt it's kind of going to be this this new chapter to be honest but Is that – does Atlanta just simply play Nashville different and Nashville play Atlanta different than maybe what you saw from Atlanta against Miami and Orlando, Uh, particularly when it comes to, I guess, really how they attack? Uh, Because from from what I saw from Miami, maybe it's the way Miami played in Atlanta, but when watching that game, it seemed as if they had to be a little bit more indirect uh, just because Miami was so compact And with Nashville being at home, looking into Saturday, is that going to be something different that we see? Maybe we might not see two goals for the first time uh, between Nashville and Atlanta, meaning that Atlanta might not score two goals because they have done so uh, (laughs) against Nashville in the past two meetings. So is there going to be a different Atlanta just based off of their setup now versus, you know, maybe (laughs) earlier this month and then back in February?
0: Perhaps. Yeah. Again, that's very likely. I think Steven Glass is still figuring out what works best and clearly they are still not doing enough in the attack. Uh, you know, I just saw a stat that their, their XG uh, stat is, is the lowest it's ever been in, in the last four, in their last four seasons, you know, in their four seasons since they've been an MLS club. I don't think that will surprise anybody because of the players that are out and the players that they've lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but quickly, let me say one thing because you mentioned, the, for Nashville, that the the emphasis and perhaps a little bit more responsibility in the attack on Mukhtar and, and Leal, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's easy to, to for for both journalists, fans, and sometimes even coaches and technical directors to be like, all right, well, we lost the striker. We don't have a, a great striker yet, but we have these two creative players. Let's see what we can do with them. And and I'll tell you that it's it puts a lot of pressure on those players because they have so many. Uh, roles within a game. You know, they're creating, they're finding space, they're getting on the ball, they're they're trying to lose a mark, uh, and to then all of a sudden expect them. Oh, also, can you score? You know, I saw it here with PT Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. They were always like, okay, we don't have Joseph, now we have these guys, and and I heard it from the top down, from Carlos Bocanegra to Frank De uh to even some of the players saying now we need to rely on these guys they're going to be part of the attack they're going to play as a false nine or a second striker and it truly just did not it wasn't consistent enough because it's not plug and play for those types of players you're asking them to just change their mindset change the way they play overnight and clearly we know scoring goals are so difficult so that's going to be hard for Nashville yeah. but I think to, to answer your question yeah, you know, after this match against Orlando at United, when they tied you know, on Saturday night, that, that last-minute equalizer, they get the 1-1 draw. I asked Stephen Glass if Adam John, who, is, who came on in this, late in the second half, replaced Hugo Torres and didn't do much, but he got the equalizer on, on a, pre, a classic Adam John goal. He's a big guy, <laughs> big target striker. You know, like, he found the cross, and it was a great header. I asked Stephen Glass after that match, if Kubo Torres and Adam John were competing for that spot, the number nine spot, is it more of, was, are, they, are they tactical decisions when he decides who to start because Kubo got the start or is it rotation? And what Stephen Glass told me was that it's a little bit of all three, uh, but he did not rule out the fact that maybe the two of them will line up together. So there's your, there's the answer to your question, Drake, like maybe against Nashville, Stephen Glass sees um, an opportunity, or perhaps even tonight against Inter-Miami, and it could be a preview for Nashville, but uh, maybe he goes with two strikers. Maybe it looks more like a 4-4-2, a, a more fluid, flexible 4-4-2, but yet two target strikers, two guys that if they're in the box, they can score. So that is the theme of, to go a little bit deeper with your question, I think that is the theme. You nailed it of what Atlanta United is in 2020. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to find out who they are. They're experimenting, especially, especially up, up front. Uh, and, and each game, you kind of don't know what, you think, what you're going to get. And Stephen Glass told us that he thinks that's an advantage for him and his staff, which I can see it. I can see where a, a club and a, and a coaching staff can you know, use a little bit of game, gamesmanship before matches because the opponent's not really sure what they're going to do. So that is, that is one of the central themes for Atlanta United moving forward.
1: Yeah, and you talked about putting a lot of expectation in and assignments, additional assignments and responsibilities on particular players. And one thing I've been saying in and around just the, the Nashville uh, local media boys, if you want, um, is being more of a proponent for a two-striker system or at least a front two, whether you want to have someone who's kind of like a second striker type, who even in a defensive block, Hani Mukhtar has been already – but also moving Randall Leal around. I know that against Orlando the first time, so that would have been the 26th, the 26th of August. And that, although it was a 3-1 loss to Orlando, but the, the reason why I bring this up, when you talk about responsibilities, Randall Leal was not, he didn't have to carry the burden that is the Gary Smith winger responsibility of tracking back and, and defending heavily, deep, um, and then having to, spark or be a part of the counter to lead the counter all the way back, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 30 yards mm-hmm. from your own goal and having to, you know, go yeah. the go the distance in a counter, especially when you are trapping a fullback when he gets possession, like Lubitz and Leal have done. And even on the other side, they've been doing mm-hmm. that ever since February 29th. So you, you have, uh, you have this interesting, you know, it's a dilemma. I, yeah, think. I think it's a dilemma. Situation. So you, 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 you're – I've always been one to say, hey, allow players to kind of maneuver, play, tinker with a little bit, um, but also say, okay, maybe this player isn't necessarily – it's not that he doesn't want to. It's just not fitting. And that's what uh, new acquisition Alex Mouille has done quite well because, unfortunately for him, I think he's been labeled as a defensive winger. Uh, but at, he, the fact of the matter is he does it well. And I think that's why he's yeah. been out there um, and, and starting. So I think that's that's good. And I, I still want to see Nashville kind of play with the system a little bit and maybe allow Mukhtar to be that second striker who isn't necessarily an out-and-out striker, but at least he's able to maybe fit into the team a little bit differently. And like that match in Orlando, maybe starting Randall Leal in a central role to where – he has the freedom to kind of get on the ball a little bit more and then break out wide when he wants to. So, but again, yeah. we're recording this on September 9th and Wednesday morning and Miami is going to play, is going to welcome Atlanta United. So we'll see what Atlanta does and kind of what you were talking about. And then they'll, Nashville will be waiting to play, uh, play Atlanta at home on Saturday. So they have a little bit of time to figure out their own tactics um, one thing I do want to point out is I just got a notification. This is very, uh, I guess you could say, unprecedented because I've never gotten something in an inbox uh, on, an, on a podcast. But actually, Nashville just acquired uh, Junder uh, Cadiz, the Venezuelan striker. So they just added a striker oh, wow. in, the, in the middle of, our, of our episode. Um, you need so, like
0: a, a siren sound effect or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, some type of we, – we definitely need to have our production maybe uh, upgrade, need to be prepared for these types of things. But uh, this is it. I mean, Venezuelan striker. As a DP.
0: As a he, DP he's on too. loan uh,
1: as, a, as a DP from Benfica. So there you go. I mean, that's, that's what we've been talking about. So Nashua SC, as we're recording this podcast, has acquired Cadiz – uh Jonder Cadiz I mean that's mm-hmm. again coming up from Benfica on a loan deal I mean that's exactly what Nashville SC need to I guess answer what we've been talking about
0: yeah it's a big it's a big it's a big hole for them and, and I'm so glad that you brought that up and that all this is happening right now on the pod because it's like I wanted to say that I, I like Nashville you know like they're not a sexy team yet, you know, and I don't know if that's what they're supposed to be. You know, I don't think Gary Smith is, is, is that type of coach, but I don't think he's extremely pragmatic. I mean, I think he may have, he perhaps has that label and has that in his past, but he won an MLS Cup with, you know, with a Colorado team that was not, not great, you know, not from top to bottom, but that roster was not a bunch of star signings. And he got that done. Uh, and I think here in Nashville, he'll have a, he'll have more resources. He'll have, you know, the, the expectation is, is higher and, and than it is in Colorado. And so that necessity is scored to, to play well, to have creative players. Um, you know, that's going to be an expectation for Gary Smith. And I think he's proven in, in as a coach here in, in Nashville, that he does appreciate these creative players he doesn't give them a quick hook. I mean, Drake, you'll know much better than me, but I think having Layal, having Mukhtar, giving them that responsibility, knowing that, that they are truly the top players on that team, that they can make the difference. They're game changers. You know, I've seen him try Gary Smith. I've seen him try to put him in, in those two players in the best positions to succeed. But like we, you know, like we discussed before, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard for those types of players to carry that type of load and then still maintain their tactical responsibilities within the system of the coach, because I do think Gary Smith is very much a system-based coach, but he does want his guys, uh, the right guys to be pretty fluid and flexible. So it's going to take time for that to to mesh, but it's a good start. And, and now with this, this striker from Venezuela uh, you know, we, we don't know what he can do yet in in MLS. It's it's not always plug and play uh, for these types of players and for these types of strikers, but, you know, Clearly a young talent uh, that's coming from Europe, from Benfica on loan, uh, but they've, they see him as a DP. I mean, it's a DP loan. It's not, it's, it's not here's a trial. Uh, this is a guy that they, that they hope will, will play past beyond the loan, and, and, and similar to what happened with Christian Espinosa in San Jose, uh, who's become one of the top players in this league. So th- that, that's hopeful if you're a Nashville fan.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, twenty-five years old from Venezuela. I mean, he's got a good height to him. And as we said, I mean, as you've, you know, mentioned, he's he's coming in from a from Benfica and they and Nashville sees him as a designated player. And so, I mean, that's at least is the start. Now we'll see, you know, how exactly can he can he fit in? Can he mesh? Can he adjust into this oddball organization? you know? vibe that is mls mm. and the way the culture is and the playing style and having to adjust on the fly in this very fast-paced pandemic season um so before we let you go felipe now that we've got some news uh, that <laughs> nashville has added its player we'll we'll see what happens with him and his mesh with nashville but at least for saturday nashville sc atlanta united 7:30 kickoff central at nissan stadium what's your score
0: Oh, gosh. Put me on the spot. This is where I always just just fail with predictions. Uh, this is a tough one because, you know, Atlanta United, internally, they still feel like they should be dominating their opponents, you know, in spite of the fact that they've lost so many great players over the last two years. This was something that Jake Mulraney, their, 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 their winger, said yesterday to, to, to us reporters that, you know, he called Atlanta United the most talented team he's ever played on. He was playing in Scotland before he came here. And he's like, we should be dominating opponents. So that isn't happening, though, because of everything that we've discussed on this pod, that there's so many changes happening. It's a strange year. They have an interim coach. They're losing these players. That's, it's going to be difficult for them to just all of a sudden hit a switch and start dominating their opponents, which is why I feel every match that Atlanta United plays from 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 here until Whenever this strange season ends, it's going to be a battle, and I just don't think they are clear favorites in any match. And so, looking to this game on Saturday at Nashville, you know it's really even, and 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 I'm not ready to say that Atlanta United is the favorite. I would put Nashville, perhaps, if I'm if I'm in Vegas, I might, you know, think that they they have a little bit more odds. They're they're at home. Uh, they they're not playing terribly. I think they have confidence in. A little bit in, in the fact that they can, all they need is a, a couple results. Uh, the 2 0 loss to Atlanta, they can look at and say, okay, what did we, we can correct? Where perhaps we were too too safe, or where we lost our marks. But we know PT Martinez isn't going to be there, so I think that just levels the playing field. I'm going to say for this game, Saturday, Atlanta United versus Nashville. I'll give Nashville the, the win, two-one.
1: That was going to be my my score. I was kind of bad going back and forth between two one and a one one draw, and I just really value how Nashville is taking advantage of its of its home field being at Nissan and and this you know phase one of this pandemic season is not necessarily about what the fans are doing obviously because fans aren't in the stadium they're not allowed to attend. But I think the way Nashville goes about its business beforehand, obviously we know every club is the with the same day travel, having to wait around until lockers are open and they're, they're allowed to arrive at the stadium. Uh, the, the reality that is, you know, you just had played a match maybe a couple of days prior. That's going to be the case for Atlanta when they go down to Miami and they have to come back, you know, late Thursday morning. I mean, early Thursday morning, I should say, in the wee hours. And they have to somehow recover for the rest of Thursday, get a training session in Friday, and then boom, Saturday morning they have to get on a flight to get to Nashville or a bus or uh, however they choose, and you know that's just the reality of this phase one. And I think Nashville has relished and they've taken advantage of playing at Nissan Stadium. They've right now they're they've got one win and a draw, and I think I'll stick with the two-one Nashville. I'll st- I'll stay with you, Felipe. Nashville Saturday against Atlanta United. I just, I think with the improvement with Honey and Randall on top of just the solidity that they've been able to construct at the back at home, I think it's Nashville's game and it'll be a complete reverse to what was like on February 29th after losing 2-1 then. So Nashville, Atlanta Saturday, but Felipe, I think it's our time to, to go our ways, man. And, uh, Thank you so much for getting on the podcast. Episode 13 is in the books. Felipe, why don't you uh, show us where you, we can follow your stuff and kind of follow your coverage, not only with Atlanta, but also uh, coverage of Inter-Miami as well.
0: Sure. Well, first of all, Drake, thanks so much for the invite. It was a pleasure. It was fun. I think we covered a lot. And, hey, news broke while we were chatting, so that's always <laughs> That's always cool. Maybe it was the luck lucky number 13. Uh, no, but listen, if you're out there listening, uh, you know, give me a follow at, on Twitter at Felipe car. And, and then of course, follow the athletic soccer on Twitter at the athletic SCCR. At and if you haven't subscribed, please do now. There's an awesome deal right now because we just upgraded the app, a lot of new features. You can literally sign up for a dollar, a month right now for for a, a, a short amount of time but you can get all access to every sport every team that you that you're interested in all the all the leagues that we cover so please subscribe to the athletic keep us going we just hit a million subscribers today so a lot of a lot of news we're breaking on this, podcast. Today. Drake,
1: this is not a- out man yeah this is not <laughs> yeah well Felipe, so, so, yeah. Thanks yeah. So much and, and i appreciate you coming on and Man, once we once we get this pandemic out the way, we'll be able to get an Atlanta United, Nashville, and Nashville, and host you the right way.
0: Right, agree, man. And we can do these things on site. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like these two cities, I think are going to be connected for a long time moving forward. They 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 always have been from a sports context, but I think soccer will really take it to a, a different level, a new level, and yeah i'm I'm, i cannot wait until you know these two fan bases and and the the journalists that cover these teams can kind of travel between cities hang out and, and and do these types of pods that you have on site on location that'll be fun
1: well thanks again felipe i've been your host drake hills this has been episode 13 of plugged in a nashville soccer podcast we'll see you next time